as I think Jens just said a minute ago, if you didn't already notice, we are entering the Christmas season, okay? Uh, the, the stage may have given it away or something else. But um, anyhow, we are there. This is a season of themes, right? So we all celebrate um, some themes right now. Um, as Christmas starts, some people get into Christmas decorating. Some people get into Christmas music. And some people get into Christmas movies at different times or maybe all at once. And they all have a different time frame of when you jump into the festivities. So our custom traditionally at our house has been to wait till after Thanksgiving is over to start focusing on Christmas. That's just something that we have done. That does not make us right or wrong. I mean, we are right, but that's not why. But uh, um, that's what we've done. And the reason for us is because I really love Thanksgiving. I don't want Thanksgiving to get overshadowed with Christmas. And so we tend to wait um, to do all the stuff afterwards. We just had our kid, married kids over at our house for a big Thanksgiving deal, our whole family. And then we all went uh, to Michigan to see some extended family yesterday. My parents' house and siblings were there. And so we, um, we've enjoyed um, some, some Thanksgiving, but now we're entering Christmas. So for us, this is when it happens. Michelle already decorated the house. Our house looks like Christmas. Uh, she was busy this weekend between our trips. And uh, then um, uh, she was actually playing Christmas music while doing it. I was not there a lot, but I did pop in and hear some music playing while she, uh, when I was at home. And then it's, it just turns out that we're entering this. We actually watched a Christmas movie after Thanksgiving with family who was around. So we have just entered that zone. But I know for some of you, it's different. For some of you, you start Christmas way back. It's early. Like, th- you know, Halloween decorations actually for you means Christmas decorations can start. And then maybe for others of us, you know, you're like, December 23rd is a little too early for me. Bah humbug because I'm going to get sick of Christmas music anyhow. I might as well start a little later in the game instead of starting so early and getting sick of it by the middle of December. So I don't know. We're all different. So I want to ask you to tell on yourself how many of you, you started, uh, maybe it's the decorations, maybe it's the music, maybe it's the movies. You started Christmas on some zone earlier, like earlier November, October, a while ago. Who? Okay, we have a winner. We have a couple of winners. Okay, when did you start and with what? Okay, you went right to Christmas from there, huh? Okay, so decorations were November 1st. Did you start the music and movies then too or just the decorations? Okay. What's that? Okay, that's good. Yes, absolutely. It's a, it's a national holiday. Um, and you said you started already? What did you start? Decorations? Did you start music and movies early or just the decorations? So there you go. That's good. Early. You started right now. That's good. I'm with you. Okay. Let me ask you a question. That's, 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 I, feel, I relate to that. How many of you, you're not, you're not starting for weeks still. You're like, you're like ah, maybe before December 23rd, maybe. Anybody, anybody like that? You're just not, okay, that's you. Okay, that's fair, that's fair. Just not, not gonna get into it too early. Spoil the moment. Well, if you, Sandy, you should go up to um, Michigan. There's a town called Bronner's in Frankenmuth, and they have Christmas year-round there. So you'd love that, okay? It's a winter wonderland, no matter when you're there. Okay, well, Besides the seasonal themes and the movies and the decorations, and I know Lindsay just got herself a Taylor Swift Christmas sweater. It says, have a merry Swiftmas. 
And I definitely am uh, jealous that no one bought me one of those, but that's okay. I'm going to get over that. I'm just kidding. I don't, don't, don't do that. I was just a joke right there. But anyhow, I'm, I just, I'm, those words came out, and I realized I'm going to get one in the mail. I know. Don't do that. Anyhow, but uh, we're in that zone. We're in that season. And um, what I hope for is that the spiritual themes of Christmas are being birthed right now in, in your heart too because this is the time of year we start celebrating those ethereal macro ideas, almost like they're platitudes, if I could say it that way. These, these ideals, that, these abstract nouns like hope and joy and peace and love. You know, when Christmas comes around, you'll see those words in decorations and on banners, and they, they mean something, and maybe they mean something more to us at Christmas, or maybe they are reminders of what's lacking at Christmas, and it makes it harder for us. But these are these ideas, platitudes and theory, these the spiritual virtues that we celebrate at Christmas and during Advent season. And so we're going to talk about some of those themes for the next couple of weeks as we enter the holidays. And today we're going to begin with one of them. We're going to talk today about the idea of hope. Hope is the first, it's really the best first step into all the, the festivities and all the ideas of what Christmas should mean inside our hearts. But hope is a beginning spot because of, of where we've been this year in our preaching and I want to talk about it a little bit. What is hope? Hope is a feeling of expectation and desire for a certain thing to happen. Right? There's something you want to happen. You desire it. You expect it. You look forward to it. That's hope. We've all experienced hope. We all hope for something or for multiple somethings, maybe, or for someone. The question is, what is it you're hoping for today? Maybe someone's like, I'm hoping that she'll, you know, I'm hoping that he'll ask the question. Or someone else is, I hope she'll say yes. Or someone else is thinking, I, I hope that this relationship gets better. I hope it pans out. Maybe someone's saying, I hope I get that job opportunity or I get that promotion or I get uh, this relation, uh, I, get, I get this uh, uh, the season of my life that th th smooths over, my health improves or, or I have a, a, a chance of a lifetime that I'm looking forward to and aiming for. Help my investments start flourishing in this economy. We all have things that we hope for. What are you hoping for? Well, we've been in a series this year. If you've been with us through 2023, we've been in an unusual for us, an unusual series, taking a journey through the biblical narrative. We've just started in Genesis and taken our journey through the Hebrew story, and we didn't make it all the way yet. We're going to have to continue it in 2024, but we made it from, from the beginning and all the way till the life of David, and, and we've seen a lot of characters, mostly narratives and stories of people who lived a long time ago, thousands of years ago, people who, who um, were living their lives. We've seen uh, uh, in, in faith. We've seen people like um, Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and Joseph and Moses, and Joshua, and, uh, and Gideon, and Deborah, and Samson, and uh, uh, so many others, uh, Ruth, and Samuel, and, and, and Saul, and David. And as we've seen these stories and unpacked their, their narratives, we found these ancient stories, these people in the Hebrew story were often people who lived, they lived in the hope that God was going to show up and make a difference in their life and in the world. And that looks different for all of them. But they all were hoping in their own narrative, their own way, that God was going to show up and make a difference. 
in their life and in the world. And they live their lives in that hope. Not perfectly, if you've been with us, not perfectly. They have floundered, they lost hope along the way, but they come back, they always came back to center and consistently lived lives of hope. And so I want us to think about where we've been this year as we enter this Christmas season because we can go into the Christian writings, we can go into the book of Hebrews and find that in Hebrews is the most Old Testament writing of the New Testament in some ways, it feels like. It talks a lot about the past and the, the customs and the forms of religious expression and the stories. And as we go into the book of Hebrews and the Christian writings, we can see a, a reference back to the stories that we've been studying all year long at church here. In fact, there's a, there's a special chapter in Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 11, that I love because it tells a lot of the stories quickly that we've been telling all year. And it talks about people for their faith. In fact, if you've been around you know, certain church backgrounds, you may have heard that chapter, Hebrews 11, referred to as the great hall of faith. Kind of playing off the idea of the hall of fame, where people may be excellent in a sport or in, you know, in uh, broadcasting or whatever they may be excellent and can make it, make it into a hall of fame in their field where people would come and remember these people with their landmark events and their moments in time. And, and so in the Hebrews 11, these are people from the ancient Hebrew story who had lives that were, were memorable. And they did several things by faith. And so their, their stories are referred to in this hall of faith chapter. And, and as we begin that chapter, if you read through the chapter, in verse 6 it explains something so important, how that it is, in, it is our faith, our faith is what pleases God. In fact, it explains that we come to God believing that he exists and that he rewards those who desire him, a relationship with him. He just, he's there and he cares. And that faith is what pleases God. And then it gets into some stories that we have read this year. I want to read a few of these verses with you in Hebrews chapter 11, beginning with verse 8. It says, It was by faith that Abraham obeyed when God called him to leave home and go to another land that God would give him as his inheritance. He went without knowing where he was going. So we saw the story. You remember it probably, possibly, or, or it's a good one to review, how Abraham was in his, he was a wealthy family from a, a, a prosperous home, but God told him and his wife, who were unable to have children, and they were getting older, to, but to leave their family, to leave their homeland, and to go to a, a faraway place where God would eventually give their descendants this land and that they would have descendants which they didn't have yet. They had nothing, and that seemed to be a closing door in their lives. But Abraham and Sarah believed God, and they left by faith. They, they obeyed, and they went. I mean, they left their entire support system. Think about that. They left family, home, everything. They took what, their stuff, their, their you know, helpers and their employees and their nephew, and they just went, not even knowing where they were going. That's what it said. They didn't. I mean, they had no GPS to tell them when they arrived. They just went until one day they're like, God's like, this is it. This is it, yeah. What, what, I got nothing, but I'm cut off from, from our old circles and friends and family, but this is it. Yep, this is it. It says in verse 9 that even when he reached the land God promised him, he lived there by faith, for he was like a foreigner living in tents. I mean, they didn't, you know, they didn't have a place to go. They didn't have a city 
that they just came to waiting for them with a bow on the, on the front. They just went and lived in tents. They would occasionally venture into a city and stay at an Airbnb during a tough time, like a famine, to go to Egypt or go to, you know, Gerar. But other than that, they just wandered around the, the wilderness and they lived in tents and watched their sheep and their flocks and their cattle, believing that one day God had something planned for them there. His whole life. And it says in the last part of this verse that so did Isaac and Jacob, who inherited the same promise. Interesting thing about Isaac is, you know, he never left the whole the area. He got to be an adult, and his dad said that you should marry someone from where we came from and not someone here. And so he sent and brought a wife back for him. He met her the day he married her. How many of you here want to do that? You want to marry someone? You want your, someone you, how many of you want your parent to pick out the person you marry and bring them back to you on your wedding day? Anybody that sounds good to you? That's a terrible idea. That's a terrible plan. But anyhow, that's what Isaac did and he, because he stayed there thinking this is where God wanted them to be. And then Jacob, Jacob did, Jacob's like, no way, Jose. I'm gonna check her out for myself. So Jacob left. He spent 20 years gone from, from where they were and got married and next thing you know. But he comes back because God called him back 20 years later. And they lived in this area by faith that God had something for them. It says in verse number 10 that Abraham was confidently looking forward to a city with eternal foundations, a city designed and built by God. And this is, this is a nod to something more than just the, the, the earthly empire that would become, come from his lineage. It's, uh, it's something that, that said elsewhere that we're not going to read today for sake of time. But in the same chapter, it says that Abraham actually looked ahead and believed in the resurrection of the dead, which is something that was not commonly talked about in that time frame. But Abraham had a faith that went beyond just the promises of this life and into, and, and into life after death. And so Abraham, though he went here and God promised him a nation, he had a faith in God doing something bigger than just that was something that he looked for, a city with eternal foundations, a city designed and a city built by God. It was by faith that even Sarah, his wife, was able to have a child, though she was barren and was too old. They were never able to have it. By the time they got there and waited on God's promises, stages of life passed, and they were convinced it was over rover. It says, though, that she believed that God would keep his promise. That takes some faith, especially when the door seems closed. Verse 12, and so a whole nation came from this one man who was as good as dead. Now that makes me laugh, okay? I know some of you really ser serious spiritual people might not get the same kind of humor I do, but that makes me laugh. Like, a, a nation was born out of a man who was as good as dead. That's a funny way of describing it. So when I grew up in church, uh, we grew, I grew up in a tradition that used the King James translation, and there was a phrase in there that we would read sometimes about people who were quite old. It would say that they were old and well-stricken in years. And I always read that and thought, you know, I, the idea of aging gracefully sounds good to me, but I'll probably be more like old and well-stricken in years. That's probably going to be my narrative, you know. Uh, that sounds more accurate, you know, to how I feel, right? So anyhow, uh, I read this, and as I prepared for the message, I thought it was interesting that they said that this couple waited so long, and then the baby was born from a man who was as good as dead. Like, oh, okay. That's an interesting way of describing that he was old. How many of us would that would be, don't have to raise your hands, our description, I, I feel as good as dead right now. Um, anyhow, no testimonies. But, but a nation was born from Abraham, a nation with so many people 
that like the stars in the sky and the sand on the seashore, there was no way to count them. And it is, again, this, this earthly kingdom that was born like a, an earthly promise of more than the sands on the, on the seashore of the earth, but also like the stars in the sky, a spiritual seed that came from people who followed the faith of Abraham and lived by faith like he did. And through these people, a whole thing was born, a nation, a movement, everything. But here's the crazy part. It didn't really see much happen in his lifetime. In fact, in verse 13, it says that all these people, all the people in this chapter, all the people that we're reading about and the ones that we're skipping today, all these people, they died still believing what God had promised them, but they did not receive what was promised. But they saw it all from a distance and they welcomed it. And that's what happened. Think about Abraham. He was promised a great nation would be born from you. That would be your land. He never saw that land become theirs. He never saw a, a nation birth from his lineage. Like he was old before he had, him and Sarah had their first son together. First one. He was old. He didn't see his grandkids. So in a way he saw a miracle because Isaac was a miracle, but he didn't see all that. He just saw the beginning. And from a distance through eyes of faith, he saw that God was doing something and he welcomed it. Isaac didn't see all that. He, him and Rebekah had two twin boys, and one of them left home for a couple decades, and they didn't see that. Jacob, yeah, he got married to two wives and two you know, side chicks, and he ended up coming back with like a bunch of kids. And uh, when he comes back from, from home, he ends up in his older years living in Egypt. He ends up living in Egypt um, as an old man because his son Joseph's kind of running the place and is far from the promised land and dies there. And so all these people, none of them saw the fruition of the thing that they were promised, the thing that they hoped for. They never lived to see it all play out. But they saw God moving in their own short version of the story and they believed that God was up to something bigger and longer than they were. This theme, if you were to read this whole chapter, this theme carries on through this entire chapter of Hebrews 11. And the chapter ends in verse 39. It ends with this idea. It says, all these people earned a good reputation because of their faith. What's interesting about them is that it, it mirrors back to that verse I quoted earlier from verse 6 of the chapter, where our faith is what pleases God. That they earned a good reputation because of their faith. Yet none of them received all that God had promised. So this is their story. This is their time. Now, you might be sitting here today and wondering, if you're, if you're here this morning and you slept well last night and you're well caffeinated and you're really leaning into this content, you might be sitting here today and wondering, wait a minute here. I, I think I hear a bait and switch going on here. You were talking about faith, uh, hope, Arlen, at the beginning. This is the hope season and hope. And all of a sudden, all of a sudden we're talking about faith? I think you switched the old, the old con concepts on us just now. If you caught that, congratulations. Others of you may have been checking Facebook and Twitter. That's also fine. But anyhow, um, so, you know, you're like, I, I think you're talking about hope earlier. Where do we land on faith? Is that one of those preacher rabbit trails that you end up on and you don't know how to find your way back without a, without a guide? And the answer is no. These concepts of faith and hope, they go together. In fact, if we rewind the entire chapter to the very first verse, Hebrews 11.1 ties them together. Hebrews 11.1 says, Faith 
shows the reality of what we hope for. It is the evidence of things we cannot see. That faith is that ability to see what we can't see. It's the evidence of the things we're hoping for. So it reminds me of something that's said later on in this chapter that we won't turn to and look at. But it talks about Moses during the time of Moses' life when he was uh, leaving the privilege and splendor of Egypt where he had it made to take care of an enslaved people, though he was mocked and belittled for doing so and serving the needy and, and, and suffering with them. And it says in doing so, he um, did that and suffered that affliction because he endured through all the hardship by seeing him who is invisible. How do you see someone who is invisible? His eyes of faith. And so faith becomes the reality of what we hope for. It's the evidence of things that we, we can't see. But we hope for, we believe in it, and so we act in faith. So I want you to think about hope in your definition the same way we thought about hope with these ancient Hebrew stories we've been studying. And all of us have hope today. And you might have some very specific hopes. Like, I hope for God to do exactly this. Maybe you're a control person and you're like, God, you need to do it exactly this way in this time, in this manner, if you're good or I don't believe in you. Maybe you're that kind of, but that's not a day, that's not a way to live. That's no way to be. But maybe if we could strip back those specifics, all of us would agree that what it is that we hope for is we hope that God is going to show up and make a difference in our life and in the world, right? Just show up, God. Whatever that looks like. I might have an idea of how it should go, but just show up. Just show up and make a difference in my life, both, both now and eternally. But I want hope beyond this life. I want hope of eternal life through you. I want hope that you're with me in this life, that you have a purpose for me, that you have a plan for me, that what I do matters, that you're doing something that even through my pain, there's a purpose. God, show up and do something and make a difference in my life and make a difference in the world. And so we're talking about hope, but what I want, what I want you to understand and what Hebrews 11 verse 1 was explaining is that faith is living as though hope is certain. In other words, hope is saying, I hope this will happen. And faith says, therefore, I'll live as if it is. Certain. In other words, Abraham in our story earlier didn't sit back and say, I hope God does this for us. He said, I hope so. I hope God's promises are true. So therefore, I'm going to go where he calls me to go. I'm going to act in faith on the hope I hold. Same with all the characters. They didn't just sit around and hope some tangible, oh God, please, I won't do anything, but if you'll, you know, if I just, I just hope against hope against hope, I win the lottery, you know. They, they weren't just sitting back and hoping for a miracle. They said, I believe God has promised something. I hope it comes true. And so I'm gonna live like it is true. I'm gonna hope, as, live as though my hope is certain, and that is faith. Or if we can phrase it this way, faith is living your life as if what God says is true. His promises are true. And that's what they did. That's what you and I do when we say, God, you know, you said you'd be there. You, say, you said you'd be with me through it all. You said you'd see me through. You, you have plans that I matter. God, I hope that's true. And I can hope it's true and just say it's probably not and just do my own thing. Or I can hope it's true and live my life as if it's true. As if what God promises is true. I can live as though my hope is certain. Because all of us hope that God has a purpose and a plan. All of us hope that there's a point to it all. 
But we can hope and do nothing, or we can hope and live within that hope that it is certain that what God says is true. And that's what faith is. But faith is built on a hope. Now, that, folks, is what Christmas is, was, to the people in our stories. Think about Christmas through their lens for just a moment here. You and me, when we think about the birth of Jesus and the spiritual celebration of God giving the greatest gift ever, that God so loved the world that he gave, right? We think about God's gift of eternal life and his gift of the Savior. When we think about, about that, we think about something that happened in the past. We think about something that happened 2,000 years ago, and we celebrate it. But for people in the stories that we've been reading all year, it hadn't happened yet. To them, the birth of Jesus was a hope that was promised. They looked forward in hope to what we look back to and celebrate. It was a different vantage point. In fact, as you read through the scriptures, the Hebrew scriptures, you'll see that they all pointed ahead to a hope that was coming. For example, let me give you just a few examples on reference. Uh, Psalms 22, if you were here last Sunday, we went through the book of Psalms together. Psalms 22 is a song by David of despair and anguish and suffering, which ends up being a prophetic look at the Savior who would come and be our, our Redeemer and die on the cross. That's what they looked forward to, a Redeemer, a Savior, a Messiah who was coming. A few hundred years after that, the nation of Israel is going through tough times, and Isaiah wrote some, some things. In Isaiah chapter 7, uh, he talks about how that though the, nor- the kingdom of Israel was divided into two, and the northern kingdom was hauled off into captivity, and the southern kingdom was still hanging in there, but not by much. And they were being warned about national judgment because they had made such bad choices that they had destroyed the foundation of their national well-being. And in the middle of all this doomsday talk, Isaiah 7, he talks about how that a virgin's going to conceive and bear a son. And God's sending a Savior into the world. A few chapters later in 14, he talks about who, who, more about that Messiah, that Redeemer, that Savior, that Prince of Peace. And then later on in Isaiah's writings in chapter 53, he does something pretty powerful. He talks about the suffering Savior on the cross to be our Redeemer. How he he was punished for our transgressions and how he was bruised for our iniquities. And how that he went through that so that we could be reconciled to God, not at our own expense, not at our own chastisement for our shortcomings, but at God's expense. That, as I say so many times, God wanted us back more than he wanted us to pay. So he paid for all the wrongs so that we could come back because he wants relationship with us. And Isaiah 53 points ahead to that story hundreds of years before it happened. And then in the very last book of the, of the Old Covenant, the very last chapter, Malachi chapter 4, ends by talking about the Messiah coming and a front runner coming before him who ended up being John the Baptist, and then Jesus. And all of that was predicted hundreds of years. And and that's just a little smattering of what could be dozens and dozens of scriptures from the ancient times where they looked forward to a hope and a promise of redemption of a Savior coming, but they never lived to see it. And then one day, hope was born. In a little manger, in a stable in the little town of Bethlehem during a Roman census for taxation purposes on the conquered kingdom. 
In that little moment, a birth took place that blossomed into a life and so many fulfilled prophecies and clarities, leading with a man saying, I'm going to die, and I'm, I was born to die, and I'm going to die, but I'm going to rise again, and no one understood that, and then he pulled it off and changed the whole world for everybody, and here we are today. And it happened one day that we call and we celebrate at Christmas time. But for hundreds and for thousands of years before that, they just looked forward to it, believing that, yes, God was going to work in their particular story, but that God was doing something bigger in the world for the redemption of all man. And I want to say today that though we don't look ahead to the coming of Jesus like they did the first time, we also have a hope today, and we look forward to Christ's return, his coming back, a, a second coming, right? And, and that might mean that we're alive when that happens, or it might mean that we have passed away and we are, we are on the other side. Um, doesn't matter. I know when you read the uh, Christian writings in the New Testament, you'll see that they talked a little bit about how God's going to make it in their lifetime, but he didn't. Then as people began to die, they began to say, well, that's okay because they're with the Lord and we'll be with the Lord one way or the other. And 2,000 years later, we, we don't know if, if we'll see, if our lives will end and we'll go to be with the Lord or he's coming back in our lifetime. Either way, the idea is the same in the end that we are with the Lord. Jesus promised that. He said, I'm going to prepare a place for you and I'm going to come back and receive you to myself. And we have a hope that goes beyond this life. Beyond just this world, but not only in the world to come, but in this world that he is with us, walking with us, and, and guiding us, and giving us purpose and meaning in all that we experience. And so we have a hope that God is with us now, and that there is a day coming when all that is wrong will be made right. In fact, in the Christian writings, Paul wrote a letter to a young protege named Titus, who was leading the church in Crete. And Paul says to Titus something about this. In, verse, in chapter 2, verse 11, he says, For the grace of God has been revealed, bringing salvation to all people. I love that. I love that verse because it's such a mouthful. He says, And we are instructed to turn from godless living and from sinful pleasures. We should live in this evil world with wisdom, and righteousness and devotion to God. Here, verse 13, here it is. While we look forward with hope to that wonderful day when the glory of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ will be revealed. And he says that we should live in a way in this world that's evil and full of people who abuse others and take advantage of themselves, whether in an irreligious way or in the name of God and mistreat people and are, and are, and are wrong and, and do evil things to, to get ahead, that we should walk through this world differently as people of faith that trusts God and lives right and treats people the way that Christ treated them and serves others. And as we heard from Karen earlier, makes a difference in the world through the things that we do and, and be better because we live lives of faith that the promise that God has made is coming true in our lives and beyond our lives and we look forward with hope and live accordingly. It should impact our lives. And yes, we have hope that there's a point to it all. and There's life after all of it. And there's a, there's a path forward and, and a plan for us. But we should just not hope in that and sit back. We should believe those promises of God and take that hope and act on it. Faith is acting as if your hope is certain. It's living your life as if what God says is true and acting on it. So faith then is acting on the hope 
we have in God and on his promises. Here's the beautiful part. We don't have to guess in the dark. We have seen his track record. I want you to think about this at Christmas this year. We have a track record. We have writings from thousands of years ago before Jesus ever shows up pointing to a promised Messiah and Savior and Redeemer that they looked to and wrote about. And then he showed up and it's like, whoa, we've seen so many promises fulfilled and promises kept by God that we look back and say, he did it. So yes, we have things that we look forward to as well. We have hopes as well. But we don't do it blindly. We have more to go on than they had in ancient times. We have the track record of God's faithfulness. Probably you have a personal track record of God's faithfulness in your life, and we have a macro track record of his faithfulness through history. And that should give us more hope, more confidence as we look forward, more hope in his promises that we're still waiting to see because he is trustworthy. So what are you hoping for? Besides the specifics, I know, I'm, you know, I saw the commercial for the Lexus on the TV the other day with a bow on it. I'm hoping that will show up in my driveway this month. It probably won't, right? But, but here's the thing. We all hope, but what are you really, below all the shallow things I want right now, what are we hoping for? We're hoping that God is there and that he cares. That's what faith is, according to Hebrews. We're hoping that he has eternally solved our sin problem and brought us back into relationship with him. We believe that by faith that he is with us now and that we don't someday have eternal life, but have it through faith now. And that he's walking with us and in us and guiding us and that he has a point and a purpose and a plan for our lives and that all the things we go through are taking us somewhere and it makes sense and even the bad stuff has meaning. We have to hope, and I know that it's easy to lose hope, but I'm saying even the ancient people we studied lost hope along the way, but they always recentered. Let Christmas season recenter you to the idea that we have a hope in God's promises and let's live that way. That's faith. Because he's got a pretty good track record so far. So let this be a season of hope for you. If you've lost it, let's find it again as we celebrate the birth of Jesus. This month, we're going to do something a little different starting today. We're going to take elements of celebrating Advent, and we're going to use a couple elements. Now, I use the word Advent. For some of you, depending on your church background, that means different things. For some people, you came from mainline, you know, denominational uh, Christianity, where Advent is liturgical readings and certain orations, nothing like what we're doing so far today. It's like, or you know, Advent is certain things, candles and all that stuff. For others of you, you've never even heard of Advent before. Maybe you're not a religious person, or maybe you are, but you came from a different kind of church background where Advent is, what's that? That's a Christmas word I may have heard. That's a calendar you get at the store with chocolates that you pop out every day for the chocolate of the day for the whole month, right? And I know that we're all over the place in a term like that. But what I want to say is that we're, not, we're just going to lean into a couple little forms of Advent this year, not full on like some, but not ignoring it. We're going to light some candles every week throughout this year. We're going to do a special scripture reading on our theme of the week. And what I hope this season will be for you is a pulling out to life of those big ideas, those ethereal platitudes, if we want to call them that, those, those spiritual concepts like hope that Jesus came to show us and to bring into our lives going forward. As we look back and look forward,
Christmas to find hope today, and we'll find others. So we're going to do a candle every weekend. We're going to finish it on Christmas Eve here with the lighting of the Christ candle, the white one at the top here. But each week we're going to light a different candle as we talk through some things. And every service, someone in the audience is going to read a, a, a passage of, of reading for that theme after I close in prayer. So in our first hour, it was Neela and Cheyenne that read. And th this hour, the picture really Emily's going to read to us in a bit here. And uh, when they do their reading, um, every week will be someone else, and then they're, then they're going to light the candle for, for this week, for the hope. And uh, so you say, well, how did you pick them? They just found out. I'm going to pick you randomly all month long. I'm, I'm not going to do that. That was a, just a joke. No. Maybe. No, no, I'm just kidding. But we're going to prearrange pre people to read and to plan to do this. And I want you to lean in to these ceremonies, these traditions. And let God's heart fill you with hope in your journey.